Live from the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino, it's Cofield and Company. We'll do it live. We'll do it live. Yeah, we got live video rolling. O'Reilly's always fired up about that. Silver Sevens is the site. Adam Candy's here. It's Cofield. Ari is back in our Finley Toyota studios. Let's get right to it. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five. Number five. I'm going to regret saying this, but I love the possibility of the mic always being open. It, you have to have some discipline. You know, we had issues couple of weeks ago with some jabroni that's at a high school game i mean co- dude come on dropping the n-bombs and it's just just ridiculous uh, now we've got a pilot candy and i'm sorry this is hilarious uh southwest pilot you know we were just talking about the middle seat and i do have to say i i like a pilot to be sort of engaging but some of them the mic usage is Way overboard. All right, make the basic announcements, the jokes, the weather, the elevation, like secrets about the destination. Stop, okay? Because you overextend yourself. You get yourself in trouble. And apparently there was a, a Mike Hound flying the plane the other day going into San Jose. And uh, I guess he was in some casual conversation with air traffic control. And he said of San Jose, F this place, G damn liberal Fs. Blanken weirdos, probably driving around in Blanken Hyundai. Wow, he really likes the F-bomb. Blanken roads and S that go slow as F. Yikes. I don't even know if the message is the offensive part. It is the Sam Kinison of the uh, the air. Dial it down with the F-bomb, bruh. I have a slightly different opinion on this, Cofield. Oh, really? I do. Were I you do. insulted? Uh, it has nothing to do with the city of San Jose. Okay. Does it have to do with, does it, does it to do with your, your, the car you drive? Maybe nope. your political standing? Nope. nope. Are nope. you are are your feathers ruffled? No, sir. Because oh. you know what? What do we got coming here? As long as that human being is qualified to fly that plane, <laughs> and he's going to get me from point A to point B, he can say whatever he needs to say to get himself from point A to point B, and that is me. Nervous flyer speaking where all my morals go out the window. All of my all of my political stances are gone when it comes to is this person going to get me from point A to point B? Should Southwest be employing this person? Eh, maybe, maybe not, but uh, is he going to get me there? That's really what I care about. Man, I, I hope this guy leaves the airport and he's got like some monster truck with a 42-cylinder engine and uh, 800 horsepower. Really talking a lot of trash on uh, some of the car brands and the drivers of San Jose. All the liberals driving their Hyundais. <laughs> By the way, when, when did Hyundai become the liberal car? I, I, th- I thought it was supposed to be like you drive a Subaru Outback and you're a crunchy granola guy. Like it, Hyundai's a problem now? When did your driving style get politicized? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Well, he is a pilot. Like, kind of goes along with the territory, right? Like, he's going to judge how you operate your vehicle. I guarantee he's a terrible driver. And I guarantee with me on the roads, he's the slow blankety-blank. Get out of my way, bro, because I'm, I'm going around you, or I'm going through you. Number four. I'm not going through anybody. I was just trying to channel the aggressive attitude of the pilot. 
How about this one? I'm never rooting for the school again. Uh, headline, uh, Rutgers had discussed delaying their tournament opener. Geo Baker is one of the leaders uh, trying to get a conversation with Mark Emmert. He's a player on the team, and uh, he's been very much involved in this uh, this campaign that, hey, we're not NCAA property. What do you think about this one, that there was actually discussion in the locker room that, uh, hey, you know, we're going we're gonna to make a statement. We're not going to start the game on time. Go for it. I think that is a great choice by the kids if they even got to the point where they're saying this is something we're considering. And if they decided not to go through with it, no judgment on that. But the whole hashtag not NCAA property movement, I can't believe how it actually came to light because the NCAA was stupid enough to put out a set of like five-pound barbells as the women's tournament weight room down in San Antonio. But that's how it got to prominence right now. And so if they want to protest, if they want to delay a game, if they want to draw and highlight what they want to fight for, they want to highlight the fact that Mark Emmert, the NCAA president, said that he was going to speak with them, and then, yeah, well, you know, he put them off till the end of the tournament. Yeah. They should do whatever they want to do because protest is uncomfortable by nature. That's the whole idea. Yeah, this is interesting, too. This is not just this player or Rutgers. They, he says us and Clemson actually talked about uh, delaying the game, but uh, – what ended up happening was we all believed that uh, the television channel was uh, going to get changed as soon as we tried something, so it ended up not going through. I will say, and this is a little bit deep on this is a little bit deep on the Rutgers roster, but uh, they actually have had a rash of exits and transfers the last day or so. So I wonder if if there was a deeper issue here, and there were guys on the team who didn't agree, and there's been. An argument? I have no idea. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the deal is. But uh, players are leaving that program. They have options. There, uh, many of them are seniors. So, top three. Number three. Now on the women's side, uh, the female athletes are not happy. Candy, uh, after the look at the weight room discrepancies between the males and the females, it seemed like the food spread discrepancies were also screwy. Then we also found out that they were using the highest level test for the men's tournament and a less reliable test for the women. Uh, here's another one that uh, has Emmert in hot water and uh, longtime sports writer Dana O'Neill is fired up about it. Dana O'Neill took Mark Emmert out behind the woodshed and I'm not sure he's recovered yet from the piece that she wrote on him. And it goes into the situation with women's basketball and it goes well beyond that and it discusses the failings of Mark Emmert over the last 10 years, whether you're talking about how he dealt with Penn State, whether you're talking about how he dealt with the FBI investigation into college basketball. And then it gets into the fact that somehow Mark Emmert and the NCAA thought that they could, in the era of social media, get away with. And don't tell me it was anything other than get away with, because it was get away with treating the women's tournament as a second-class tournament in San Antonio. You were creating these semi-bubbles in both places, and it took... One women's player from the University of Oregon posting a video of what they called a weight room. A weight room. Come on. A weight room. A little <laughs> rack of dumbbells. They called that a weight room for the women's tournament and then compared it to what the men had, which was a full ballroom setup. And then Mark Emmert tried to get away with saying, well, that wasn't really intended to be the weight room, but once the video is out there, oh, there's nothing you can do. And then what do they do? Then they try to celebrate the fact. They put it up on social media when they get it right. But you know what? That's a weight room. 
whatever. Now you get into the test, the testing, Steve. PCR test versus antigen test. Oh my God. Oh my God that you're going to put the health yep. at risk of the players. You've got to be kidding me. You've got to be kidding me. And the best part about this whole thing is that Mark Emmert has put off meeting with both the men and the women who want to talk to him about this. He's putting it off till the end of the tournament. And some people say, well, he's going to get away with it because the PR is going to have died down by then. No, it's not. Because people like Dana O'Neill are going to be writing pieces about what a slime Mark Emmert is and what a blight on the NCAA he is, as though it's even possible to be an even bigger blight on the NCAA than it is to itself most days. But in this situation, it's going to draw more attention. It's going to put him in the spotlight for longer for the way that the women were treated down there. By the way, not even every story has been out there. I'm not going to name names, but I, I, of course, you know, I was a women's basketball broadcaster at UNLV for a dozen years. I'm a women's basketball official. I know officials who are down there in that bubble for the NCAA, and they described the conditions that they were living under down there. And let's just say the men have it a lot better than the women. It applied to everybody in that situation how the NCAA thought it could sneak away with not spending as much money on the women's tournament, and they didn't get away with it, thank God. Social media, in a lot of ways, has become the great equalizer. You know, those who were powerless in the past didn't really have a voice. There was no fight on their behalf. And now those in power are getting shamed for pulling the same crap they've been pulling for years and years. Number two. Candy, now that we've seen the numbers on Kevin Kruger's contract and we've had some explanations, you're a little bit disturbed by the fact that uh, Kevin is making less than TJ Otzelberger. Uh, What's your take on the budget and the salary here of one Kevin Kruger? I'm not disturbed by the fact that he's making less. It's the explanation that UNLV is giving. If you look at the article that Sam Gordon had in the Review Journal, he talked to a source at UNLV who tried to blame the fact that Kevin Kruger this year is going to make roughly $400,000 less than TJ Otzelberger, and $400,000 less meaning seven seventy-five, which is more than half his salary. They blamed it on the fact that, well, TJ Otzelberger had three years of head coaching experience when he got here. I was unaware that there was a defined objective scale for what three years of head coaching experience at South Dakota State brought you when Desiree Reed-Francois was on this very program a couple of days ago talking about how it's Kevin Kruger's commitment to this program, commitment to Las Vegas, his character that they got to see up close that is the reason they wanted him. What are we paying for? Are we paying for commitment? Are we paying for character? Are we paying for having a guy who wants to be here long term? Because if you pay him 775 on the way up to 800 something over the course of five years, if Kevin Kruger is really good in three or four years, you can guarantee someone is coming in the door with a two or three million dollar offer for Kevin Kruger, and then it won't be about does he have head coaching experience or not. Then it will be about well, we just didn't have the money to match it. So just say what it is. This department has budget problems. They lost a million dollars in funding from the legislature last year. They haven't had any season ticket money coming in. It's okay. It's not a problem. That's just reality. Every college department is living through this right now. But if you offered T.J. Otzelberger an extension, as Desiree Reed-Francois said she did, then you probably offered him an extension at a raise over $1.2 million, or at least $1.2 million. So don't tell me it's about experience with Kevin Kruger when it's other qualities that you said are the reason that you wanted him. It wasn't about experience, because if it was about experience, then 
why would you say that it's about character and commitment? Just pay the man what your budget can afford and say that that's where your search was. Number one. Well, if you missed it earlier today, a bit of a shocker for some. Um, a lot of people thought Lon Kruger would stay at Oklahoma a couple more years, but he's retired. He actually told his team today he's retired. He's coming back to Vegas. He's got a uh, home here that uh, he and his family plan on retiring in. So there's a lot of possibilities. A very interesting mix now with Kevin Kruger running the UNLV program, and I'm sure his dad, Lon, will be around. In terms of legacy, Lon Kruger uh, respected as much as uh, – any coach I've ever heard people talk about, almost 700 wins in college basketball, resurrected or won at a high level at five different programs. Great, great career. And I'm really excited that he's going to be back in the Vegas community. Whatever he chooses to do, uh, however involved he is, he's going to be an addition to the community. So that's really, really cool. Uh, I haven't seen any update on this, but I'll tell you one of the first things I thought about was the fact that Oklahoma does have a Las Vegas player on the roster who was recruited by the Krugers, but specifically by Kevin Kruger, and that's Jalen Hill. So I wonder what Jalen Hill is thinking right now. Um, listen, this stinks, and I hate talking about it when, you know, the UNLV players, potentially the current players, could be plucked off the roster. If you didn't hear, Caleb Brill is in the transfer portal along with uh, Eduardo Delcadia, Martinez, Donovan Yap, Isaac Lindsay. Um, you know, it irks you when you're losing guys from a side, but this is part of the game. I wonder what is going to happen with Jalen Hill and if they have a chance to get the Las Vegan back here as one of the building blocks of this Rebel program. Yeah, we're going to spend the next few days talking about who's entering the transfer portal for UNLV, and it's all mm-hmm. going to look terrible. And then names are going to start rolling in of who's actually coming well, to UNLV. Your, uh, your take on who's entered so far, do you think that was – was that greeted by the UNLV staff? Like, damn it! Or, listen – for all the people out there who bash on the players for entering the portal, you do understand there are lots of players who, when they talk to the coaches and the season is assessed, they are told by the coaches, you may want to move along. So when we you know, we quote these numbers all the time, Candy, there's going to be over 1,000 kids in the portal. There's no loyalty. All right, what if we told you that 1,100 are in, 700 were told to hit the bricks? Shove the idea of loyalty straight up your transfer portal because the day the coaches become loyal, that's when players have to become loyal. One side gets paid a million and a half dollars or $775,000. The other side gets paid $0 and has less flexibility in terms of where they're allowed to go. So, yeah, you're right. When it comes to who's in the transfer portal, did we think Jalen Martinez or Donovan Yap was going to get serious run next year? Probably not. For UNLV, so I doubt the coaching staff was, you know, reaching out with claws to bring them back in if they decided they didn't want to be here. And maybe they helped them out the door. Who knows? But Caleb Grill, I think Caleb Grill had the potential to be a useful player. And yeah. look, Eduardo Delcadia on a good team, on a truly good team, is probably your ninth or tenth player. But if you have a good rotation, Eduardo Delcadia is a guy who I think can give you seven, eight useful minutes a game even if it's just using five fouls inside. Yeah, I don't think that's the way they're going to build this program anymore. I think there's a sense of urgency. Uh, there is no, hey, let's piece it together and try to be good in three years. Um, they're, they're in year two of the build. If you move the assistant over from the previous head coach, you're trying for continuity. And I think now they've realized we can't have four projects on the bench. we got to start bringing in grad transfers. we got to start winning now. And the other thing is when you look at the rosters across the Mountain West Conference, the talent needs to be upgraded. you got two teams in the Mountain West playing in the Final Four of the NIT. 
you know, you can scoff at that, but UNLV ain't there, and it hasn't been there, or the NCAA tournament. So the level of talent on this team and in this program has to go up. Up next, we'll get the reaction of uh, Curtis Terry on not only the retirement of Lon Kruger, but his first thoughts, at least on Cofield and company, uh, around Kevin Kruger being named the head coach. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battle Born Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battle Born Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver Sevens, it's Cofield and Company. ESPN Las Vegas, 5 o'clock hour. What is going on today? A crazy breaking news day. Curtis Terry is with us. We're definitely going to get into his reaction. He hasn't even reacted on this show to Kevin Kruger being hired by UNLV. And then we get the news like three hours ago that Lon Kruger, your former coach, Kevin's father, is retiring. You knew this and you were holding out. (laughs) Come on, Curtis. You could have told me. I mean, if that was the case, I'd be in trouble, right? Uh no, what a time to be alive. I think it's, it's, it's fun. It's exciting. I definitely am not withholding information. I'm just as excited and shocked and in awe as everybody else when that news kind of dropped about Coach Kruger. Uh, but I think we have to start by saying, I mean, what a great career that Coach Kruger had. I mean, obviously, I think it's like 40-plus years as a coach. Um, what he did in taking numerous different programs to the NCAA tournament. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's good in a way for obviously UNLV basketball for Kevin to have his dad back around to be able to lean on him closer in more contact and obviously good for his wife, Allie and their daughter, Cammy to have grandma and grandpa around. Uh, but I think for the coaching world and the coaching industry and, and just college basketball, you're losing a great, um, a, a legend and a hall of famer in Lon Kruger is, is stepping down, but, uh, it's definitely fun times. Yeah. It's really interesting. And you know, I, and again, if you're just tuning in, we talked about it earlier in the show, but Lon Kruger at, at Oklahoma, former UNLV coach. Illinois, Florida, Kansas State, all those Final Fours. He's retiring. He's 68 years old. Deep down, he's really a Las Vegan now. Um, right. And, you know, I sh- maybe I should have read into, and I just think it's a Kruger approach, but I should have read into Kevin Kruger repeatedly saying about taking the job, we, 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 like as if there's a big team involved in it. I was like, oh, that's kind of the Kruger way. Uh, maybe in a way it meant, hey, you know what? Lon may be back here sooner than we think, and he'll be around the program. I don't know if that's what he meant, but but you can tell the audience, Lon Kruger and Barb will probably be back here relatively soon because this is where they had planned on retiring, right? Yeah, 100%. And I don't think Kevin meant that like like literally. It's more yeah, figuratively yeah. like we as a family. Yeah, yeah. Him, him uh, Ali, his wife, his daughter, Cammy, um, obviously his sister, Angie, um, and Lon and Barb. Obviously, it's, it's a family. It's a team effort. Even like his friends. I feel like we're a part of that. Like everybody within the running rebel basketball, we are going to do everything we can for Kev to be successful. But obviously, his immediate close family and his circle. Um, but it's definitely, I think it's going to be quick. Obviously, news broke. I mean, I think back in January that, that Lon and Barb had bought another home out in Southern Highlands. Uh, that was obviously public knowledge. But I think, the, I think the timeline was that they were going to be another year, maybe two, until he actually kind of stepped down and, and hung up the whistle and moved back to Vegas. But obviously, it, it sped up uh, for whatever reason. Um, it's unfortunate, again, that we're losing a great Hall of Famer coach. Uh, but the fact that he's going to be back in town, I'm excited. Uh, it's always good to see Lon and Barb. They're like family. They always welcome us with open arms. But the fact that Kevin has his dad here now, now, it's obviously great, and the fact that he has a daughter, grandpa, and grandma are home and consistent. Uh, but in terms of his coaching career, to be able to have 
to have Lon here close by, not just a phone call, and he's dealing with his team. He can lean on him. They'll probably watch some film together, I'm sure. Um, and it'll probably be a lot of fun for them to kind of game plan and, and uh, him help Kev and kind of uh, guide Kev uh, from yeah. a distance through his coaching career. Well, we want to pay a lot more homage to what Lon Kruger did during his college basketball coaching career, his playing career. Hell, he was a great player. A lot of people don't know that. He was a great great player um i just want you to explain i know we've we've talked about this many times but just what lon meant to you as a coach a mentor i don't know if he was a father figure a leader a role model and i'm sure what you're going to say here is probably representative of what a lot of lon kruger players are going to say without a doubt i mean lon's played a lot of different roles in in my life and, and worn a lot of different hats and just like I met Kevin when I was 14 originally, I met Lon when I was 14, when he was the head coach of the Atlanta Hawks down in Atlanta. I'd go see, visit Jason. Um, and, and Lon was this, the same guy he was then back in, I mean, 2000. He's the same guy now in 2021 um, and everywhere in between. Uh, but just very welcoming, very warming, very careful uh, or caring and thoughtful um, about who was around him and who was in his life um, and just really wanted the best for people. And we're going to see that from Kevin as a coach. Uh, but for me, Lon's played a lot of roles. Lon's the guy that gave me an opportunity to play college basketball when nobody else would. Um, I was under-recruited. Uh, Lon allowed me to come down here on an unofficial visit. Me and my dad came down. We got to play pickup with the guys. And Lon brought me into his office afterwards and said, I don't know why you don't have a spot already. I'd love, um, I'd love for you to be a part of what we have here, but I've got nothing to offer you. Um, I can't promise you anything, not even a, a scholarship. So if you want to come here and, and kind of work for, for what you feel like is yours, you're more than welcome. And that's all I needed. And Lon opened the door. I feel like from there, I tried to kick it down. Um, and I've been forever indebted to the Krugers, to UNLV as well for the opportunity they gave me and, and just professionally um, and, and as a man to grow and mature because I got my degree here, my undergrad, I got my master's from UNLV, obviously was on staff here and worked in numerous roles. Um, and I think that's the big thing about Coach Kruger coming back is he's always a family guy. Now, whether it was at Illinois, Florida, in the NBA, here, Oklahoma, it's always been about family to him. And I think it's, it's, it can't be without said it's no more perfect than Lon's coming home, Kev's home. Uh, we're kind of getting the family back together. Like it's going to be a big, fun reunion. Um, and I think the, the city of Las Vegas and UNLV basketball should be very excited. Curtis Terry's with us. So we're talking about the retirement of Lon Kruger. Did not expect to be doing that today. In just a couple minutes after the break, we're going to talk about the hiring of Kevin Kruger. Uh, I'm going to show what a slime ball I am here. I mean, like grade A. So the last couple of days, I've been pushing the whole thing on social media and on the air. I'm like, TJ Otzelberger better not raid this roster. They better have a chance to keep Caleb Grill and Jenkins and like Nick Blake and Tillis. TJ better not do that. All right, I'm going to flip it around here because as soon as I saw the news on Oklahoma – and Lon Kruger, I was like, well, Jalen Hill's from Las Vegas, and Kevin Kruger was the guy who recruited him. I had heard stories about Kevin really outdueling Marvin Menzies and company, like working real hard to get Jalen Hill. I wonder, you know, down the road, what Jalen's thinking. Uh, does he come back home? He's got that extra year of eligibility, so he'd be an attractive guy to build a program around. He's got three years remaining at an 11-point game in the final game of the season in the tournament against Gonzaga so you know there's a the point is there's a lot of possibilities out there for Kevin Kruger to put together a good team and put it together pretty quickly yeah without a doubt obviously what Jalen Hill did at Clark High, Clark High School here in Las Vegas and moving on to Oklahoma and Kevin was the main recruiter on him Kevin was able to come in here pull him out of Vegas and take him to Oklahoma uh, so I think there's going to be a lot of speculation I think it's going to make for a lot of good conversation good sports radio but at the end of the day I think it just goes to show of the ability that Kevin's going to have, not just from with his dad being around. I think even more so than that is Kevin is a very good basketball mind. He's proven that uh, Kevin's very knowledgeable, but Kevin has a lot of different ties throughout the basketball world and kids that he's recruited homes. He's been in and kids that he recruited, but maybe lost to another school. 
but I think that just goes to show that nobody should doubt Kevin Kruger and what he's going to do uh, with Lon or without Lon. It's going to be fun times ahead. And I think Kevin's, again, slowly but surely, he's taking the right steps, but early in the process because he's got a lot of work on a lot of things on his plate. Curtis Terry's with us. He's going to stick around. We'll come back after the break and we'll elaborate on the hiring of Kevin Kruger, his former teammate, his friend, and get what he thinks about the hire and the future of UNLV basketball. With 77 cent Bud Light bottles, Golden Knights hockey game nights are great at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Now, back to the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7's with Cofield and Company. Rolling on into the second half of the 5 o'clock hour here at Silver 7's Flamingo and Paradise. Come on down, check out the VGK game tonight. 77 cents on the beers. That is freaking awesome. Awesome news. Surprising news. Lon Kruger is going to retire at Oklahoma. We know the big news of the week just a couple days ago was his son Kevin Kruger taking over at UNLV. Curtis Terry continues with us here. All right, Curtis, let's get to what we thought we were uh, originally going to discuss, and I got to get your reaction on your friend and former teammate, Kevin Kruger, actually getting the head job at UNLV. Yeah, I'm, I'm super excited. And I, I mean, it, I think it goes without being said. Obviously, I'm, I'm a fan of Kevin uh, personally and professionally, but I don't, I don't want the people in Las Vegas to think I was out there trying to campaign for him. I was just trying to give my opinion, my perspective on kind of what the program needed. And I think naturally Kevin fits a lot of those boxes and checks a lot of those boxes. Uh, but clearly, uh, Desiree Reed Francois, athletic director at UNLV, went through the process. And as she's mentioned, she interviewed a number of different candidates. Um, and it kind of circled back and led back to Kevin for a number of different reasons. But I think it's, it's the right hire for what the, the basketball program needs right now in terms of stability. Somebody that's uh, relatable, has been in this position before in terms of knows what the city needs um, and, and wants and desires from its basketball program. And I think Kevin has an understanding of that. Um, and I think his pedigree and his makeup of, of being Lon's son is going to help him. Um, immensely as this process moves forward for him and he begins his head coaching career. You know, it's weird how averse the uh, some in the media, but a lot of fans who uh, are around the UNLV situation are always against assistants getting jobs. And we're seeing it all over the country that assistants are sliding over and taking over programs. Eastern Washington move over, moved over to the assistant uh, who's working with Shante Leggins for like seven years. So he's going to take over Minnesota instead of going for a big name current head coach. Uh, brought back one of their own guys who was an assistant. He was at Xavier most recently. Um, what is the challenge of the assistant moving over to the big chair? Well, I think the biggest thing, and what everybody's going to point out from from the public standpoint, is they don't have that experience. And me and you talked about it last week in terms of I hate when people say that because nobody's going to have experience until they get the opportunity to be in that position, uh, to get their feet wet, uh, to get thrown in the fire, so to say. But I think we're starting to see that now. Obviously, with Shantae moving from Eastern to Portland, uh, David Riley gets gets moved up. Obviously, Minnesota brings over Ben Johnson, a former uh, Minnesota uh, Golden Gopher. And then obviously here with Kevin. But I think it's kind of what you're similar to seeing in the NBA. They used to kind of recycle their coaches and be the same old guy getting fired and getting hired somewhere else. And kind of that that process kept going around. But now you're starting to see them kind of go after uh, first time head coaches, whether it's Steve Nash, when Steve Kerr got got into the mix. Uh, because these guys have that playing experience. They've been in those locker rooms. They've been in the trenches more recently than the guys um, of previous generations. And I think you're starting to see that now with these, these college coaches. They're starting to go a little bit younger because the game is different, um, obviously in the sense of they play faster, they're shooting more threes. But I think in the sense of the student athlete, 
there is so much different in terms of what they're looking for and what they need day to day, whether it's the social media aspect that comes into it, their accessibility um, and just kind of that instant gratification that some of these older coaches, I think they're kind of becoming out of touch with. And so I think when you have these younger assistants, then you elevate them to the head coaches. They got a little bit more relatable to their potential student athletes that they're going to be recruiting and as well coaching. And I think Kevin fits that mold precisely in terms of what he did when he was at NAU with Jack Murphy, when he was at OU with Lon. And now when he was here with TJ, I think Kevin's got a good grasp on what the current day student athlete is looking for. We're talking about the hire of uh, Kevin Kruger taking over the Running Rebel program, a former Rebel, former teammate. Curtis Terry is on with Cofield and Company here on this Thursday. So, you know, we've seen coaches' sons get jobs in the past. Uh, Richard Patino. now he's at his third stop here. Uh, Pat Knight wasn't quite Bob Knight. How is Kevin Kruger going to deal with the constant comparisons to the level of success his dad, Lon Kruger, had? Well, without a doubt, that's what he's going to be measured up to. Um, and I understand it to a degree. And like you mentioned, Richard Pitino, you mentioned Pat Knight. Uh, but then like you look at like Michael Jordan's kids, right? Like they were had big scrutiny. Like, are you going to be as good as your dad? LeBron's son is going to go through that without a doubt. He already is and getting his high praise and he has to live up to it. Um, and I think from that standpoint, it's understandable. But you got to understand at the same time, they're completely different people, whether it's from a player um, to, their, to their father or from a coach to their father who's a coach. Um, and I think in this case, Kevin is very close to Lon. I think it's been well documented. Obviously, the video that UNLV put out when he called Lon um, and kind of made the announcement. I mean, that's genuine Coach Kruger reaction. Like, ah, that's fantastic. He's just pumped up. And it gave me goosebumps and chills to see Coach kind of show that emotion because he doesn't always let that go publicly. Uh, But I think the best part about it is that Kevin's going to do everything he can to be successful because he knows this is the opportunity he's always wanted. Um, especially here at UNLV because he had his most college success here at UNLV when we went to the Sweet 16. And I think he's going to work so hard that there's going to be nothing that comes in his way that's going to stop him from being successful here. And I think he's not going to take it as a challenge to have to be as good as his dad. He's going to use his dad as his ally and lean on Lon um, and have him in his back pocket when there's tough decisions have to be made or he goes through situations that are new for him. And so I think it's nothing but a blessing for Kevin to be able to have someone like that to lean on and have in his corner. Explain to me how the Kruger personality, and I think, you know, Kevin obviously sounds just like Lon Kruger um, and they, you know, they have the same approach. How does that work for a player? Because so many of us who played sports, who watch sports, uh, reacted to people screaming at them all the time. And these guys are not screamers. So how does the laid-back personality, but I think you're going to tell us, hey, they get fired up at times. How does that laid-back personality work with players? Oh, so it's interesting to mention that because you mentioned Pat Knight. And so when I was being recruited coming out of uh, Tacoma, Washington, I was getting recruiting letters from Bobby Knight when he was at Texas Tech. And no way, no chance in hell was I going to go play for him. The chair throwing, the yelling, it didn't do it for me. Like that was going to turn me off. It didn't get me pumped up. The thing about Coach Kruger is that he genuinely cared about us as players. And he made the effort to get to know you, to know what you're doing off the court, to know what you like to do, what your interests are. He always asks about my mom, even to this current day when Coach Hill passed away uh, about six weeks ago or so. I talked to Coach Kruger uh, two days after and he asked about my mom. I mean, just genuinely asking about how you're doing. How is your family? I see your kids on Facebook. I mean, those types of things. He really cares about you. And when someone cares about you like that, you're willing to go out there and die for him on the court. And that's how we felt about Lon. Like we didn't want to let him down because he invested so much into us and put us in a position to be successful. 
And you've already heard people talk about Kevin in that sense that Kevin's just super genuine. He cares about other people. He wants people to be successful. And he mentioned in his press conference that he's going to have a conversation with the guys. And it's about what can he and his staff do to help them be successful. Now, whether that includes being here at UNLV, whether they want to go somewhere else, they're going to help them get to that next step so they can be successful. But ultimately, it's about the player and making sure they're in a position to succeed. And Kevin genuinely wants people to be successful. He's happy for other people that have success and have opportunities. And I think that's going to translate over into his players having trust in him and having his back and be willing to go that extra mile. Give me the player's perspective on this. Kevin Kruger's got to put together a staff of assistants. Kevin's relatively young. I think he's going to be 38 here on May 1st. As a player, would you be cool if it's all young dudes, right? It's all guys who are like 38 to 45 years old. Um, I think most people look at a hire like this and they're like, you got to have a grizzled veteran. There's got to be someone who's been around for you know 30 or 40 years. What do you think as a player? I don't think you need someone that's been around like 30 or 40 years, like this just, you know what I mean, grizzled old man. He gets the senior citizen discounts <laughs> at IHOP. Um, by, by the way, that, think- that, that reference was uh, the grizzled veteran would be like my age. So let's relax. <laughs> right. Someone in their 50s could be a grizzled veteran, my friend. Right. No, for sure. For sure. I, and I, my dad lives in Vegas now, so I use him to, to go to IHOP. We get his, his yeah. senior discount. Nice. <laughs> but um, no, I, it's it's. It's you want to have people there that can relate to you. And I think that's the big draw about Kevin. Kevin was a former player. He had success. He played professionally um, in the in the G League. He played overseas. Um, he was part of some of those great teams at Oklahoma that Lon had recently. Um, he's also, I mean, coached top five NBA draft picks um, in Trey Young, Buddy Hield, and, and some of those guys. So he understands what it takes to be successful and get guys to the next level. But I think across the board, you want to have relatable coaches. Now, when I played here at UNLV, and I'm looking back at some of these pictures, I mean, Coach Kruger was a lot younger than he is now. Uh, but also like Steve Henson, Coach Lou Hill, Greg Grinsey, those coaches were much younger. Um, and we didn't realize it in the moment because we're all 18 to 22. But then looking back, we're like, damn, they were much younger then. But it, it seemed like they were so much older just because of their wisdom, the way they approached the game. But they still had fun with us. They just have shooting competitions. And I think the biggest thing is finding assistant coaches that obviously not only skilled X's and O's that are great recruiters, but guys that can build great relationships with their players on and off the court. And that you feel like genuinely care for your players because that's at the end of the day, like if you're going through a tough time, you need to be able to pick up that phone or text coach like, hey, man, this is what's going on, especially now in the climate of society with social media, um, with everything that we're seeing in terms of the social justice uh, situations. You've got to have somebody in your corner to feel like you can lean on outside of your mom, your dad, um, your caregiver from that standpoint. Uh, We saw some players hit the transfer portal. We can get into those individuals here in a second. Is this the beginning of a total disaster where Kevin will not be able to retain most of the team? I don't know. I think it's it's going to depend on each guy. Obviously, so far we've seen, I mean, uh, I think four guys already have hit the portal. Um, You may see a couple more. But I think the thing is when it comes to now, I mean, this is going to be the biggest transfer portal ever. I think right now there's double guys uh, of what it was this time last year, and there's still more, more guys that are going to be jumping in there. But I don't know if it's going to be a complete overhaul. Um, obviously, you, you, you see and know some guys that are going to be having opportunities in terms of their progression and their development. And I think it's probably evident Kevin was able to probably make some of those decisions um, and have those conversations sooner uh, because he was here last year. As opposed to if they hired a coach from the outside, it might take some time for him to sit down and get to know guys. But also guys may not have as much trust. So I think you may see some more movement. Um, also, the one thing that people say is like just because a guy goes into the, the portal doesn't mean they're going to leave. That's true. But I think this day and age with how things are going to shake out, once a guy goes in, they're probably going to end up you know, staying in and moving on. But it's about the best fit for that young man, um, as well as the program and the coach. So I'm excited to kind of see what happens as this continues to transpire. Do you feel like Donovan Yap can play in the Mountain West Conference at the level that UNLV needs? Uh, was he over recruited? I, I just I feel like he didn't get a chance. 
Yes, I think Donovan Yap can play the Mountain West Conference. I just don't think he's ready right now. Um, I think he's, he's a guy that needs some more development because he was kind of in between that combo guard, scoring guard in high school um, and played a little bit of point guard. But naturally, just because he was the best player on his team, he had the ball in his hands all the time. So pseudo point guard. But then at the college level, he's going to need to be a point guard, be a playmaker, be able to run the team, get shots for his teammates, but also command and lead a team. And I think that he didn't have that confidence in himself to know how to lead a team in the heat of battle. But then also in terms of skill set, I just think he needs to develop more and he's not quite there. And so he's a guy that you're looking at. I mean, third, fourth year in college, he's going to be a contributor. But now, obviously, if some guys are looking to have that happen right away and they want more minutes, then that's why guys go into the portal. Um, I was a guy, my fresh after my freshman year, I was looking at wanting to transfer uh, because I thought coach was recruiting over me after I walked on and earned some minutes. Um, I was like, wow, we're bringing in another guard. Like I'm here already. Huh. But he was like, it's, it's not about you. That's what coach crew told me. He's like, it's not about you, but we're doing what's best for the team. Um, and my mom convinced me not to, I wanted to try to transfer closer to home just for better opportunities. Um, but I'm glad I'd stayed it out because ultimately the guy that he brought in uh, that, that same off season ended up not being there for the following off season. He was only there for one season. Um, and my role was still, was still there and it blossomed after that. But I think it's about finding the right guy. And I think Donovan Yap was just not in a position to be successful right now and was a couple years away. Uh, but I think that he will have a successful college career. But again, it's just about finding the right spot for you to be able to develop and have the role that you want. Curtis Terry's with us. What would your pitch be to Bryce Hamilton? What do you think Kevin Kruger's pitch is going to be to Bryce to stay around? I'm sure Bryce can go pretty much to any Power Five. You know, most Power Five schools that, uh, you know, reach out to him, he can make not have a guarantee to make the tournament, but a good chance to make the tournament. So what's the pitch? Well, for, for me, from my perspective, I mean, if it's Bryce Hamilton, obviously Bryce has had success on the court at UNLV. His role has has grown every year that he's been here. And obviously this is going to be his third coach at UNLV. But I think it's about what does he want in terms of if you're looking to move on, you look at Amari Hardy from last year, you mean had all the minutes, a lot of shots, uh, but then chose to move on. And you go to Oregon and you only played 10 minutes in their tournament game the other day. And they've got a lot of upperclassmen, a lot of older guys like him, but it's about the right fit. So the grass isn't always greener on the other side. No matter how good you think you are, you're going to be joining a new group. They're looking to add pieces, too. So they might kind of be stockpiling you, because if you look at Amari, that's a really good guy to have as your 10th, 11th guy right now in the rotation. But you would have bigger minutes somewhere else. Um, And so I think you have to look at it from that standpoint. Obviously, if you look to go professionally. That's a whole nother animal in terms of are you ready for that um, just maturity wise to be able to take that on and play against grown men who are out there going to try to kill you and fight for um, their livelihood. Um, And so I think it's a situation where Bryce Hamilton has all the opportunity in the world in front of him here at UNLV, continue to come back and be a leader, um, handle the ball a lot, be able to make plays, uh, obviously be a scoring threat. I think the one thing that's going to help Bryce and would make it easier for him and it would have this year if they had a point guard that could take the ball out of his hands and let him operate and attack more from the wing and not have to be that primary ball handler and playmaker. So give me a team that you've seen that's not a one that can win the national championship. So no Gonzaga, no Michigan, no Baylor. Is there a team right now where you're like, man, that coach is good. That team's playing a good style of basketball. Houston. That's really? what I would go with. I think Houston can get it done. I mean, look, you look who they're coming out. They get Syracuse, and then they're going to, if they win that, they get the winner of Loyola, Chicago, and Oregon State. Right. I mean, you, you talk about the easiest path to the Final Four, uh, but I think they have the ability, and they can score in bunches. Obviously, Kelvin Sampson does a great job there. He has experience, well, not at the M- just at the NBA, but when he was at Oklahoma, and I think he's built a very solid program. Uh, but then also, I think maybe Arkansas. I think Eric Musselman might have something there in terms of just his crazy off-the-wall style. Um, and they might just have enough to be able to pester and slow down Baylor. 
But ultimately, I think Gonzaga is still the favorite for me. And I think they've got a pretty comfortable road. I mean, Creighton and then the winner of USC, Oregon, I don't think they have a problem getting through there and getting to the Final Four. But if I couldn't pick a one, I think I would go with Houston as of right now. All right, Curtis. Good job, buddy. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, Steve. Take care. We're less than 15 minutes away from the beginning of the Golden Knights game at the Avalanche. We'll give some final thoughts, a preview to the game, and then make sure you flip over to Fox Sports Las Vegas to hear the game or come down here and enjoy the 77 cents on the beers at Silver 7, Flamingo, and Paradise. The Cofield and Company crew is back tonight at 9 o'clock. It's the Law and Sporter Podcast with Justin Watkins from Battleborn Injury Lawyers. It's time for Greenies Wine of the Week, presented by Weed Sellers. Hit WeedSellers.com. Uh, we do the Wine of the Week. Always turn to uh, Greenie. can be a little whiny sometimes. One of our best shows right here. Uh, an anchor show on ESPN Las Vegas. It's Cofield. It's Candy. Ari's here as we're hanging out at Silver Sevens. Come on down. I got 77 cents on the beers. What an awesome special. I chuckle. I mean, come on. No one can rival that. Just 77 cents on Bud, Bud Light, Mick Ultra, and Shock Top. When the game starts, VGK is taking on the Avalanche. Puck drops in less than 10 minutes, so get on down here. It's at Flamingo in Paradise, the legendary location of Silver Sevens. All right, wine of the week. Uh, Mike Greenberg is back on radio. He is a, well, I'll say a Chicago area guy because he went to school there and then he started working initially at the beginning of his career. Right, Candy, in Chicago around the Bulls. Accurate information. Yes, yes, but he grew up in the New York area, so he's a Jets fan. But anyway, he's commenting on a uh, Chicago story, and really it just it's that goofy tweet the other day that the Bears sent out that had a picture of Andy Dalton, and it just simply said QB1, and let's see where Greeny and his wine of the week take this one. So I think they deserve what's happening to them here. But they have to think they can win. And I'll just remind you, they weren't 4-12 and last year. And the Bears are picking 20th in the draft for a reason. If they get average quarterback play, they are probably a playoff team. Or at least have a chance to be. So I get it from the fans and I get it from Twitter. But I also sort of like that they did it. Okay, a lot of ridiculous premises there. Where do you want to start? Well, I'm going to blow up your whole segment. You ready for this? Yes. Okay. I got to do it. I'm sorry. Uh, QB1. So when we talk about radio hosts, if I'd be RH1, right? Just go with the premise, right? Okay. Radio host, RH1. Sure. Uh, So if today, this specific day of all 365, um, if if LVSportsNetwork.com or ESPN Las Vegas had tweeted RH1 with a picture of you, would would that have been accurate? Would that have been a good thing? Should they have done that? Should they have done that today? I'm not going to answer your question the way you're posing it. Do they need to do that? They need to do that today. Why, why do they need to do that today? No. Do I, got, they, I, does, I got an does, email does, this morning. Does the radio station need to do that? Do they need to reestablish oh, no. that I'm leading the show Why are like, you for RH1? some sort of confidence boost for the rest of the team? That's what Greeny was saying. Like They need to believe that he's QB1, which tells me, like, football players are stupid. If their team puts it out on Twitter that this is the number one quarterback, they'll have more confidence. Like, no. I'm just saying I got an email this morning okay, from the LV radio folks, and you're not going to acknowledge it at all? You're not going to say what was in that email? I don't think I saw the email. What was it? Am I, am I fired? What happened? No, it was wishing you a happy birthday. Oh, Jesus. Come on. It we, was wishing make- you a happy – 
RH1 on yeah, his look birthday. This. Look at this. Look at Angel was like, oh. Set him up and knock him down, baby. It's Set fine. him up and knock him down. Do you, you think I'm going to give actual airtime? Do you think I'm going to give actual airtime to Andy Dalton <laughs> when I could be talking about this instead? I wanted to see if over the course of four hours you'd be able to get this one going on your own, but apparently not. We so do, We don't do that. 77-cent beers. I hope that you, sir, spend at least at least $8 tonight. <laughs> get, get out of control. On the 77-cent beers. Lose it. Celebrate the hell out of it, my man. Well, you know, it's funny is if you remember the timing of the pandemic last year's birthday. Yeah, didn't, well. Didn't exactly turn into a wild party, <laughs> which, by the way, was the plan on that was following it up with a nice vacation in Mexico. Oh, that didn't happen hey. either. So uh, I'm going to say I'm still 50 because I never had a 50th birthday. So uh, Fair. Yeah. Completely. Yeah. yeah. I, I have no problem with the way the math works on that. No. Um, none. None whatsoever. I will skirt the issue here. Okay, if you say so. Uh, Greeny saying average quarterback play will get to the Bears to the playoffs. Not this time around. It will not. So I think he's wrong on that one. Uh, look, it's you can't assume the division's going to stay exactly the way, the way that yeah. it was, right? Like, uh, division yeah, the and conference. Yeah. I mean, look, the Lions might be in a rebuild. That's fine. The Vikings are not going to suck as much as they did last year. They're going to they're going to work on that defense in the draft. Like I just don't think you can look straight up, straight up at the Bears and say, "Yeah, everything's fine." Just assume that uh, where they were last year is where they're going to be this year. No. Wine of the week is brought to you by Weed Sellers. Go to weedsellers.com. No cannabis, no CBD. It's C E L L A R S. They've got a large selection of wine, bourbon, and beer. Weedsellers.com. Thank you. For the birthday wish, I'm gonna happy get crazy. birthday, Cofield. Crazy tonight. Come on down here, celebrate the birthday. I might not be here. Uh, it's over seven, seventy-seven cent <laughs> beers during the game. <laughs>